0: Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring Jesus is coming again Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing Jesus is coming again
1: This is the voice of prophecy A voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days Prepare ye the way of the Lord
0: Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again.
1: From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration. Again today you'll hear the music of the King's Herald, Del Delker and Brad Braley. The Voice of Prophecy speaker is H.M.S. Richards.
0: Sing the wondrous love of Jesus Sing his mercy and his grace In the mansions bright and blessed He'll prepare us a place When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shall then the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty we'll behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall when tread us gold, gold. When we all... When We'll sing and shout, we'll ring in.
1: Father, we thank Thee for Thy mercies. We thank Thee for Thy Word. And we pray that in this age of scientific wonder, we may never lose our vision of Thee and of heaven. Help us not to be proud in the accomplishments of man, but to realize that all our gifts come from Thee. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. A place of quiet
0: rest Near to the heart of God A place where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of God
1: O Jesus, blessed Redeemer sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God.
0: strand just I can tarry, I can tarry but a night Do not detain me, for I am going To where the fountains are ever flowing I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger can tarry, I can tarry but a night. There the sunbeams are ever shining, oh my longing heart, my longing heart is there. Here in this country, so dark and dreary, I long have wandered. I'm a stranger, I can tarry, I can tarry but a
1: night. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. His subject, A Journey to the Moon. That's what they're all talking about, Journey to the Moon. Public press lately reported that in one country, 300 people had already volunteered for the first trip of a manned rocket to the moon. Another country, not to be left behind in the race, declared they had 1,400 people already registered who wished to be passengers on the first spaceship to the moon. For centuries, people have been talking about the man in the moon, claiming they could see the outline of a face on the surface of the moon. The way things are going now, some people believe that there may soon be men on the moon. When Jules Verne wrote his famous story of a trip to the moon, like a gigantic bullet shot from a colossal gun buried deep in the earth of Florida, people said it was a wild, visionary dream. But it may be that he was nearer to the truth than he himself thought. One great writer of modern time said something like this, Seems to me that we are now witnessing a race between education and war. I hope education wins. If it does, the human race then will be standing upon the earth as upon a footstool and stretch out its dominion amid the stars. Will such a thing ever be accomplished? Why did the world go on for 6,000 years of recorded history in the same humdrum way, repeating the proverb that whatever goes up must come down, then suddenly burst into a flame of imagination, experiment, excitement? finding out that many things may go up and never come down. Every book on physics 25 years old is hopelessly out of date. Why have we suddenly passed through three ages? First, the mechanical age, which we thought was wonderful, and it was. Then the atomic age, entered about 1945, and now the space age, all in a lifetime of one generation. It makes us think seriously of that great prophecy of the book of Daniel in the Holy Bible, which is focused upon our very day and generation and says that at the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel 12:4. This was never true before, but it's true now. Friends, we must be living in what holy prophets call the time of the end. If so, many other important prophecies are aimed right at our day and, by the way, at us. Now, just a word about the moon. We might call it the soundless world, because as far as we know, there's no atmosphere there. And where there's no atmosphere, of course, there can be no sound, for sound travels through the air. The moon seems to be the Earth's own particular possession. It really belongs to us. Most great telescopes bring it within about 60 miles of us. In fact, the Palomar telescope brings the moon within about 26 miles of the Earth, as far as sight is concerned. The moon travels around the earth in an elliptical orbit so that sometimes it's 26,000 miles nearer to us than at other times. The moon is about 2,160 miles in diameter, while the earth is about 8,000 miles. The moon travels around the earth once in about 28 days. It also rotates on its axis once in the same time. And because of this, it always keeps the same face turned toward the earth. No one has ever seen the other side of the moon. One of the interesting things that would come of an unmanned rocket, photographically equipped, going around the moon, would be the pictures obtained of the moon's unseen side. This is one of the hopes of modern science. The first man to visit the moon will see that the sky is black and overspread with stars, even at noon. There's no twilight there. The sun bursts instantly into day, and after two weeks' glare suddenly gives place to night. There are no clouds, no wind, no rainbows, no blue sky, no tinting of the heavens at sunrise and sunset. The moon is about 240,000 miles away from us and is called our satellite because it sticks close to the earth and travels with it. It would take about 50 moons to make a globe the size of the earth. When the moon comes between us and the sun, the side which is away from us is lighted up. As it proceeds on its orbit, we get a glimpse of the lighted side and have what we call a crescent moon. This gradually broadens out until the moon occupies the point in the heavens directly opposite the sun. Then we have a full moon. For hundreds of years, people have wondered what caused the so-called craters on the moon. Kepler, the great astronomer, thought they'd been dug by inhabitants of the moon to shield themselves from the burning rays of the sun during a long lunar day. Of course, he didn't know that some of them are more than a hundred miles in diameter and tens of thousands of feet deep. To dig one such crater would be like digging thousands of Panama canals. Besides these craters, there are mountain ranges, peaks, great cliffs. Then there are so-called seas or oceans, which may be great plains. The moon has tremendous influence upon the earth, not only as far as lovers are concerned, but by lifting the tides which affect the climate and the people and the history of the whole world. Twice a day, the moon joins the sun in lifting the oceans out of their beds and returning them thereto. The tidal waves pass around the earth at a rate of 500 miles an hour every 12 hours and 25 minutes. What was the origin of the moon? In the scripture we read, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Genesis 1.16 The light of the moon is different from the light of the sun. Its light is reflected from the sun and called polarized light. The light of the sun is direct from itself. The Apostle Paul says, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. 1 Corinthians 15, 41. There are many things that we could say about the moon, many things that people believe about it. There are those who plant their gardens and fields according to the phases of the moon. Even our modern scientists are beginning to give more and more credence to some old views about the effect of the moon on human life. One time it was supposed that moonlight caused some people to have mental disturbances. Therefore, such persons were called Luna ticks—that that is, those influenced by Luna or the moon. The moon is a witness to the creative power of God. It was Addison, the poet, who said, Soon as the evening shades prevail, the moon takes up the wondrous tale, and nightly to the listening earth repeats the story of her birth. If any passenger-carrying rocket ever arrives at the moon, it must travel fast, for the moon itself is passing over our heads at the rate of 2,300 miles an hour. Although the Bible is not a textbook on science, wherever it treats of science, it tells the truth. One interesting passage is Psalm eighty-nine thirty-seven: It, that is the throne of David, shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Yes, the moon is faithful. It's always on time. It never fails to appear at the appointed day and hour. It shines by reflected light just as the throne of David with our Savior upon it reflects the glory of heaven. It would be wonderful if it could be said of all Christians that we are faithful like the moon and that we shine with the light of God in this world. It was Shakespeare who said, The moon's an errant thief, and her pale fire she snatches from the sun. The temperature changes on the moon must be terrific. At midday, around 200 degrees Fahrenheit, which is near the boiling point of water on Earth. At midnight, about 240 degrees below zero. The pull of gravity on the moon is only about one-sixth that of the Earth. It would be, as some have said, a fat man's paradise, for he would weigh only about one-sixth of what he weighs here. If you wanted to play baseball on the moon, you could throw a ball six times as far as you can on a diamond here at home. Many of us could jump over an 18- or 20-foot wall on the moon. We've already had a radar message from the moon, but it was one we'd sent there ourselves. Scientists have been able to bounce a signal from the surface of the moon and have it return to the earth in two and one-half seconds. Traveling through space at 40 miles a second and revolving around our earth as it does, the moon is not only a witness to God, but a constant challenge to the people of the world. The prophet Jeremiah spoke of the ordinances of the moon, Jeremiah 31:35). These laws which the moon obeys completely testify to the wisdom of the great mathematician, the creator of the universe. It is not possible, well, let's say it's not beyond possibility, that human beings may travel to the moon. The moon is uninhabited, so there are no sinless beings there to be infected with our disobedience, our disease, and our death. This earth, as far as we know, is the only planet in all God's universe that has ever fallen into sin since its creation. But according to Scripture, the day is coming when the earth itself will be renewed. and There will be no more sin or sorrow or death in the whole world, for God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes." And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation 21, 4. Is it reasonable to believe that God will permit this rebellious human race to destroy the peace and joy of God's beautiful universe? Certainly not. We need to remember that the inhabitants of the earth are under quarantine, and whatever they may do, they will not be permitted to lift a hand against the great creator to spoil his bright dominions. Astronomically speaking, the moon is in our backyard and travels with us. Like some great uninhabited desert, it may experience the exploring presence of man. Of this earth, the apostle John wrote, the whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John 5:19. 19. This planet was visited by the deceiver in the early days of its history and our first parents were led into disobedience by his deceptions and temptations. A great part of the human race does not worship the true God. Not only does not, but refuses to do so, and will not. This is not true of other worlds, as J. Walter Rich reminds us in his book, The Message of the Stars. In Nehemiah 9.6 we read, Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven the heaven of heavens, With all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. This is not true of the earth, but it is true of the other worlds. The host of heaven worships God. This earth has been said by some to be the only sheep in God's great flock which wandered away. Ninety and nine in the fold, only one went astray. You remember the beautiful parable Jesus told in the 15th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, recorded, In that glad day when this earth is brought back into the harmony of the sweet music of the spheres, the Savior will rejoice more over that one sheep than over the ninety-nine which went not astray. Read the 18th chapter of Matthew. What a day that will be when the whole family of the universe will be one again. Not only the holy angels of heaven, but the unfallen beings of other worlds we will see the wandering sons of men brought back into harmony with God and his great family of created beings. Let us respond to God's call which comes to each of us here and now. And someday we shall travel from planet to planet, from universe to universe with Christ. For the scripture says, These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Revelation 14.4 We must come into harmony with Christ here and now. We must give our lives to Him. We must believe. We must repent. We must confess Him as our Savior. We must follow Him in obedience, the obedience of baptism and every other act which He requires. For all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way, and the Lord hath laid on Him that is, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Not merely a journey to the moon is awaiting us, but a journey to the great heavenly center of the universe, to the very presence of God, to those shining realms of unfallen beings where we shall proclaim the glory of redemption. Won't you, friend, come today Won't you begin that journey by coming to Christ? That's the beginning of journey to unfallen worlds. Can you not hear the voice of his Spirit saying to you, Won't you come home? It's lonesome without you. Come home, lost sheep. My love is for you still. Friends, will you respond to this appeal so beautifully brought to us in the song of Del Delker? Are you that lost sheep? Have you heard the call of a good shepherd on this broadcast today? Can you not hear Jesus saying, Wandering one, return to me. I love you. Give your heart to me, and I will guide you through life. Come to him. He'll not turn you down. And when you come to him, he'll never cast you out. Will you do it just now? Heavenly Father, bless everyone who responds to this call, who says yes, and opens the heart to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Have faith in God, creator of moon and star. Have faith in God, high enthroned in light afar. Have faith in God with us wherever we are. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope you've enjoyed our program and that you'll be with us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.